Welcome back to the Society of Chicago, as we like to call it, society. How has your guys' week been? I went bowling this week, and I don't really have a form for bowling. My form is throw it as fast <laughs> as I can and as enthusiastically as I can. Didn't do too great, but uh, I had some fun. Everything I know about bowling, I learned from Wii Sports. Oh, so, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Wii Sports bowling was a was great the best. time. It was the best. Yes. It was definitely like my dad never played video games except Wii Sports. He'd play golf on the Wii Sports. He'd play every morning. He would straight up play like nine rounds every oh morning God. before anyone would get up. And then for Christmas one year, I bought him like the Tony Hawk PGA Tour for whatever year that was. Tony Hawk absolutely oh, does not shit. have a PGA Tour. No, <laughs> not Tony Hawk. <laughs> Fuck. You know? Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods. I don't know why I thought this- that. I meant Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods PGA. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> This week, we have a pretty cool interview lined up. We're talking to Martin Code, who's the brewmaster at Green Star Brewing. So some listeners might know we had our season two launch party at Green Star, and it was a great time. Green Star is one of the first organic, certified organic breweries in the state of Illinois. They're a vegan brewery, which kind of surprised me because like beer is grain and water. Seems pretty vegan to me, but I guess it's not. (laughs) Yeah, it's very... Interesting. Some of the things that can go into beers and just some of the different additives that happen. And hopefully we'll learn more about it in this interview. Yeah, I uh, I did some research on history of beer. Apparently, they have found evidence of beer that is like 13,000 years old. So we're talking like the Code of Hammurabi. That's, That's like, longer than honey. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like in the Code of Hammurabi, and uh, which is, you know, the first recorded. I don't know enough about the Code of Hammurabi to say what it is or it is not. But beer is actually the third most consumed liquid worldwide. So first is water. Second is tea. Third is beer. Huh. That's a lot to process, I feel like, to me. I don't know. I wouldn't think it'd be that high, but then I guess I think of other beverages that are around the world, and beer seems pretty universal. Yeah, so so beer obviously has been around for a while, but we've recently seen kind of a resurgence in microbreweries. So this resurgence kind of started in the 1970s in Europe, uh, but has since caught on all around America. And Chicago actually is a pretty thriving uh, microbrewery scene as well. So in order to be classified as a microbrewery, you have to brew... I'm actually going to make you guys guess. Unit of measurement is gallons. How? What's the maximum amount of beer you can, be, you can brew and still be a microbrewery? 10,000. I was going to say like 50,000, but I feel like that might be too much. It's 15,000 gallons of beer. See, between our answers, we got the one and the five. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. You two combined is not not 65,000. It's It's 15. (laughs) But yeah, so I I did not know that there was actually like a limit uh, on what something could you know, have to be a microbrewery. And I didn't actually know there was such a, a thriving culture. I kind of thought is it was... Is that where the term craft brewery came from? Like once they outgrew micro, is it... Do you go to micro from, to craft? I actually, I don't know. Um, that is interesting. Like is craft a microbrew? Is a microbrew a craft? I'm, I'm so excited to learn more because I'm all for the microbreweries popping up all over the place. And Uncommon Ground is such a great location in Chicago. I mean, I know they have that rooftop garden um, and it's all organic. It's all, I mean, I'm a vegetarian 
and in Wrigleyville in particular. Well, now it's super nice and bougie, but you know, in the original Wrigleyville, it was really hard to find vegetarian food. And on Common Ground, it was always that like oasis. Yeah, I am not vegetarian, but I really like their food. And when I was in school, I lived kind of near Uncommon Ground and I like stumbled across it one time and was like, oh my God, this restaurant's amazing. And I like took people who visited Chicago there because I was like, it's this sort of nice restaurant I know that like is delicious and has a cool story. But they also have um, like a performance space for musicians to play at. They, yeah, grow their food on their rooftop. It's just a very cool space. And then I recently went there. Uh, a coworker had gotten a free brewery tour, and that's where I met Martin. And he was super interesting, super fun to talk to. <laughs> he definitely roasted us a few times for asking dumb questions because we got very drunk on that tour. So we reached out, and he was happy to join us on the show. Martin could hear from Green Star Brewing, and he walks in the door with a cooler full of beer growlers. Can you can you explain again the overview of what you brought? <laughs> Well, of course, yeah. So I brought our uh, latest release, which uh, we call actually Orion's Nebula Funk. So that's a, a great name. It's a fun name. It's a Berliner Weiss beer. So um, it's a very good one, I uh, might add. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so really, really nice, lightly sour, balanced beer. And I also brought our flagship IPA that we call Spaceship IPA. Mostly Iowa grown hops in there. Nice. Uh, Lower bitterness IPA. And I also brought a tequila barrel aged Saison. So tequila barrel aged. It is so good. <laughs> so it's all uh oh glad you enjoy it. So it's all from Green Star Brewing. Um we're uh right around the corner with the same company as on common ground and we do uh all certified organic beer. So And Martin, what's your role there? I'm the uh brewmaster and beer ambassador. Two fancy titles. And do you get to contribute to the naming of the beers? So it's always a, it's always a fun collaboration between me and uh, the owners, how the beers end up getting named. You know, sometimes I'll have an idea, sometimes they'll have an idea, uh, brainstorm different ideas. So and then eventually we end up with what we end up with. So. Cool. Collaborative process. <laughs> sure, if you want to summarize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Are you Chicago native, born here, raised here? So suburbs, yeah. I was uh, born in Park Ridge, lived in a few places, but uh, yeah, I keep coming back to Chicago. I think it's a great city. Wait, okay, so you lived multiple places before Chicago. Where have you called home? Well, I was, in, I, I mean, I'm in multiple places in addition to Chicago. I went to college for a while in Dallas. Uh, my family, when I was 13, we lived in Colorado. Where else? I, I spent uh, a semester living in Rome. It was cool, traveling around Europe. Went to Munich. Three or four times, definitely for Oktoberfest. Okay, so. okay, there's a, you know, the start of the, <laughs> the brewer's itch, maybe. Well, I guess it's good to start way back sometimes, but I've always liked beer. Let me put it that way. I've yeah. not always been a brewer, but I was a philosophy major in college. If you have any questions about Nietzsche later, you know. Okay. I'm you sure know. I could come up with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is he your favorite philosopher? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. You get to your philosophy degree at Loyola. Sure. What's sure. Next? And I really didn't know. It was funny. I I'm, I would, I definitely went through a mini freak out too because I was like, well, what what is what do you do with a philosophy degree, right? Basically, what it comes down to is you can go to grad school, you can teach. You know, that's cool. That's that's a great route to go. I was just uh, not not relishing the idea of maybe ending up in a, in a square room and talking about like the 
existential nature of the caulk and the walls, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, people do that. That's great. They write papers on it. That's cool. Good for them. But I wanted, I wanted a job. I've always wanted a job that picks different parts of my personality and things that I like to do. Because, and one thing I really love about my job right now is that every day is different. You know, some days I do work on numbers. You wouldn't think that maybe a brewmaster would work on numbers, but I do. You know, some days I write recipes. Sometimes I get to be creative. Sometimes I get to come up with names. Some days I get to brew. I get to create things, you know. I get to... So there's a lot of different aspects of me that kind of fell into this career, but I'm, I'm really happy that I did. So after college, I really didn't know really what I wanted to do. My grandpa, he was in real estate sales. So at the time I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe... I I'd, yeah, thought he was great. You know, he did fine in his life. Maybe I'll try to get into sales of some sort. But I didn't really know what I wanted to get into. And so I bounced around from this job or that job. And then for Christmas one year, somebody bought me a homebrew kit. It was uh, it was a Mr. Beer kit, to be specific. So it's kind of funny thinking back because knowing what I know now, there's pretty much no way that first batch that I made was any good at all. Like, <laughs> You know, just looking back, but did you, you know, like it at the time? Yeah, so it's it really sparked. It's funny when you find something that you're really passionate about, that you're really interested in, because it, at least for me, it was like I never even thought about this as a career, or thought about this as a life, or thought, you know, I was just like, I can make beer. And a light bulb went off in my <laughs> head, you know, and, and so that just led to an obsession. Lots of home brewing, lots of reading. I even bought brewing textbooks. Full on obsessed. You know, looking back to the end of the beginning of the story was like, I'm glad people smiled and nodded and told me that the first batch was good, you know. <laughs> right, to, exactly. You know, all my friends at the time. Like, you know, yeah. I have two <laughs> immediate free questions. Alcohol. All right, sure. <laughs> have you named a beer after the person who bought you that brew kit? Because I feel Ooh. like that has to happen. Yeah, for sure. I haven't. I should, though. Let's talk a little bit about how you brew beer. So what's the process to like go from water and I assume hops to then like barley? Oh, it's beer, barley, wheat. Sure. Yeah. So all beer starts out with four major ingredients, malt, water, hops, and yeast. So malt is a grain that's been, this went through a malting process. So it could be a barley, it could be wheat, it could be a rye, it could be a spelt. There's all different types of malt. But those are the four major ingredients that um, are used to make pretty much all beer these days. It's it's really interesting to think about because we now know that humans have been making beer of some sort. We now have evidence for uh, for about 10,000 years. They found a mug that they dated back to ancient Sumeria that had a residue on it that the scientists couldn't figure out what it was for a while. And then eventually somebody's like, well, it couldn't be beer, right? Like then we thought it was much later that people started making beer and they tested it. It was beer. So. Oh, wow. And I can get more into that if you guys are curious, but malt, water, hops, and yeast. So what you do is you start off with uh, the malt, mix it together with the water, take your temperature, take your pH, take our amount of time. Things sort of get mashed all together when you're doing that. So the first step of the process is called the mash. Yeah. <laughs> Seems or pretty intuitive. Around Halloween, the months. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing as well. So... And the next step, moving on. <laughs> now the uh, next step of the process is uh, you want to separate the liquid that you've created from the grain. 
So that's called loudering. It's uh, it's basically straining. So you separate the liquid from the grain. Then you have a bunch of liquid that kind of looks like beer. Doesn't really taste like beer yet. It's more like a sweet sort of grainy tea. But at that point, it's called wort. Then what you do is you boil it. That's where most of the hops get added. Hops add a little bit of bitterness to beer. Pretty much every style of beer, even if it's not a hoppy style, gets a little bit of hops added for a balance of flavor. Then after the boil, you cool it down really quickly. Then you add the yeast in a separate tank. And then if you've done your job well, the yeast is super happy with you and uh, eats up the wort and uh, turns the wort into beer. So cool. that's a... Ta-da. <laughs> so you, you get the kit, you read a lot of books, you read about this process, you get better and better. When was the point that you decided to turn the hobby into something that you could make a career out of? Sure. Floated around a couple different careers during my homebrewing phase. And eventually I said, you know what? I'm not, I don't really care about what I'm doing. Like I want to get into something I care about. And so I tried to get into the industry. So I started off working in, um, in a homebrew store where you go in and buy homebrewing ingredients and various equipment to make beer at home. So, you know, had a great experience there. But at the time that I worked there, we were making a lot of beer. It's kind of funny because like um, at the time, we would make beer of all different styles and give it away to people. We would come in and shop and be curious about a particular style. And we'd try to have a bunch of different styles on tap and be like, oh, well, here's an example. And here's maybe a recipe if you're interested or here's how you can get started. So nice. So we were making a lot of beer. I also had a a great mentor there. He knows just about everything there is to know. He's worked there for like 20 years now. He knows just about everything there is to know about different styles and brewing. And then from there, I got a job as the brewmaster for the new Hofbrauhaus House in Chicago. That's that's in Rosemont. But I, I helped build that place. It's, it was a great opportunity. Um, when I interviewed there, it was literally a concrete slab. So talk about... Anything I'd learned, a lot got thrown out the window. I got to learn, I got to work side by side with the International Technical Director of Brewing for Hofbrau. Also a great experience. And uh, I hear the Germans know a thing or two about making beer. (laughs) So, of course, working on that equipment too. They bought state-of-the-art equipment. It's a multi-million dollar facility. Wow. So that must have been fun for you to play with after. <laughs> as a, yeah, your being home a home brewer and like yeah. all the stuff that I did before. Absolutely. It was great hands to play with and amazing system. From there, though, the thing about Hofbrau is that you're not really going to be playing around with the recipe for Hofbrau lager that much, right? Right. Like, exactly. You know, or half of Eisen or anything. So it's a great experience. But I really wanted something that was my own thing. Sort of looking around, and that's when I got introduced through a mutual friend to the owners of Uncommon Ground. A great couple. They founded Uncommon Ground in 1991, uh, Mike and Helen Cameron. Um, they built that place in order to And And uh, I started talking to them, and they said, what about certified organic beer? You know, is anyone doing that? My first response was, you know, I'll have to check. <laughs> that's probably smart <laughs> but anyway i got introduced to them and i started working there and we had this whole conversation about doing something that nobody else is doing or was doing at the time and uh it was a process it was a fun process i had to do research i had to figure it out but i did you know hey what does an organic beer entail is it just all in organic ingredients is it in fact like the the you know equipment that's used on it like because i think of beer and i think like oh okay that's plants but like, is it just organic ingredients? What's the... So, you know, it's, it's a funny environment for beer and it has been for a while in that um, 
there's not a lot of disclosure to the general public as far as what goes into beer. In regular beer, even I'm not talking about just AB InBev products. I'm talking about craft products. There's all sorts of stuff that gets added that people really don't know about. So there's chemicals that add to increase the foam in the beer, chemicals that get added to decrease the foam, chemicals that get added to make the beer more clear, chemicals that get added to make the beer less clear. So going back to the main ingredients of beer, they're mostly agricultural, right? Mm -hmm. So conventional agriculture has a lot of pesticides. Yeah, so no chemicals get added during the brewing process. And the idea behind organic beer, the biggest idea behind organic beer for us is kind of what I was talking about before. So people have been making beer just fine for yeah. a very long time. So it's about simplicity. It's about getting back to what we were doing before. And the biggest thing is uh, transparency for the customer. We want you to be able to come to on common ground. We have two locations, by the way, one on Devon and then the one with the brewery, but we have the beer at both locations. We want you to be able to come there and order a beer and have the only thing that it contains be beer. <laughs> Seems simple enough. But. <laughs> it sounds like Green Star is really catering in a way that nobody else is to a unique kind of Chicago subculture and providing options that maybe other people didn't have if they liked beer or have been avoiding beer because they're not vegan or they're not gluten-free or et cetera, et cetera. So... Can you answer on how big Green Star Brewery is from a like nuclear community of people that work there and are directly involved with it? It's we're we're a super small brewery and in the brewery it's just right now it's me and one other person that work in the brewery. Now the restaurants, we have two restaurants. We have uh, about 100 employees between managers and wait staff and uh, we also have a certified organic rooftop farm and another restaurant. So we employ not a lot of people, but Wow. Decent amount. A certified organic rooftop farm. Yeah, actually, the, the first in the U.S. And uh, that opened in uh, 2006, I believe. Yeah. Wow. So. It just seems like this entire company is so forward thinking, just doing things way before people even talked about it or knew that this was something that the environment or the community needed. They have a lot of firsts. When they opened on uh, Gray Street, that was the first location, they also had the first espresso. Uh, license in the city of Chicago, which I would have thought for sure that would have been Starbucks or somebody else. But damn, I guess like beyond that, do you have any way to measure how big your consumer base is of people that are enjoying Green Star beers? Sure, we have we have a great variety of consumer base because we are in Wrigleyville, so we do get a lot of the Cubs crowd. But the interesting thing about our crowd is that. We kind of have a destination space in many ways. People do come there for the farm table, local, sustainable food and beverages of all sorts. You know, we have all sorts of great cocktails and organic wines and organic foods. And so when the beer is um, only available in the restaurant, right? Correct. Yeah. Now, if you want to take beer home, we do growlers like uh, reasons how I got beer here today. But <laughs> Thank you again. Um, we have to smuggle out any supply. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, we we are a small brewery, and we 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 don't bottle or can yet. So we do have growlers for to go nice. beer though. So so we got to know you because our company actually did a brewery tour, and it was something that kind of like came across our desk. It's like, oh, that'd be a cool corporate event for you know a team that only has like ten to fifteen people. Yeah. Do you do other kind of big events like that to bring people through the space? Sure. I mean, we're always we're always thinking about new fun things to do. One 
really fun thing that we're doing right now is we're doing completely free tours once a month. On the first Saturday of every month, for the next three months, we're doing completely free. So some experience that you guys had, but free. So and that's been super successful. We were overwhelmed because the first one was a couple of weeks ago and we had 637 RSVPs. Whoa. So you've been to my brewery. It's a small space for a little brew pub. I, I'm pretty sure we can't fit 637 people <laughs> in that entire building. So we're always doing new fun events, um, you know, corporate tours, bachelor and bachelorette parties. There's a, if you're having a party of any sort, there's a ton of great spaces in either building of Uncommon Ground. But, um, so there's a lot of smaller breweries in Chicago, some that have been popping up, um, some that have been here for a while. Is there like a way that you guys all communicate or like hang out with each other? Or is it very much like you work for Green Star and that's it? Right. So one really great thing about brewing community, still in most cities nationwide that I've heard of, is that it's still very collaborative. Unlike many other businesses, collaboration generally benefits breweries. It's kind of a weird phenomenon, but it's the truth. So think about if you open a widget shop and then some some person opens a widget shop right next door to you. You're probably going to be like, I was the first widget maker in this neighborhood, you know. <laughs> what do you know about widgets anyway? <laughs> um, but um, with breweries, you're actually excited if somebody opens a brewery next door to you because then that will bring more people to your brewery. So think about what people do. A lot of times they'll go out to breweries and if there's more than one they'll go to one then they'll go to another one they'll go you know so it's not necessarily a bad thing especially if you have people who are doing different things too interesting um, i didn't think about so that as before. far as no it's an interesting phenomenon they talk about it in business classes too because it's somewhat unique where you open a business and you don't care if somebody else is doing the same thing yeah. across the street yeah uh, so do you talk to other brewmasters about brewing like are you sharing like ideas and stuff or sure so um yeah so i'm sorry i didn't really answer your question yeah, yeah. yeah so we're all part of the illinois craft brewers guild most of us are so we have regular quarterly meetings so we all hang out and try each other's, each other's beers and um the guild is heavily involved in helping with a lot of regulatory stuff that goes on. Um, you'd be surprised. A lot of states still have a lot of really old laws that kind of restrict the growth of small brewers. Funny thing about the history of beer, we're still kind of fighting against, and it's, we're lucky to have a guild to fight against it. Is ever since Prohibition got knocked down, there were not too many breweries that survived that. In uh, 1871, I believe it was, there were 4,100 some breweries in the u.s now to put things in perspective even with craft beer we didn't surpass that until 2015 get out so that's a huge gap of years yeah and the guild so i imagine it started around them but it's so it's still in existence though still helping you right so you have an environment back after prohibition that's really hard for small breweries and the people who survived in the time only a couple of passed a bunch of laws or lobbied for laws to support them because there was no one else around and they wanted to support them. So you just have years and years of virtual monopoly where there were less than 20 breweries in the U.S. until the 80s with Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams and some of the pioneers in the craft uh, brewing industry. So 
the reason we're lucky to have the guild is because there's still some laws that are on the books from way back when that are anti-small breweries. Wow. Yeah. All because of that history. Wow. Microbreweries and brewmasters are obviously a national, international thing. What is unique about the Chicago community that uh, you think sets it apart or are just like some defining factors about being a brewmaster in Chicago? Sure. Well, that's a really good question. The Chicago community is really great, I think, and for a number of reasons in that you do have a lot of different breweries around a lot of pioneers you know beer you know you got a belgian brewery a british brewery and you see a lot of that everywhere but i think um really the one of the largest things that's evolving about the chicago brewing community is um a commitment to quality beers for example recently uh, it came out that we have the most breweries per uh, not per capita the most breweries of any major city and country so not per capita but the most breweries of any major city we have more than new york more than la we have 167 breweries in the Chicago area. 167. Yeah. So. Cool. And I, and that's, <laughs> that's awesome. It's a lot of beer. Yeah. It was a Tribune article came out recently. Um, the cool thing about that for me is that I haven't been to all physical spaces, but I know a lot of these people are about the same guild, and there's still nowhere that I would really say, you know what, maybe you shouldn't go there. Everyone's doing their own thing. And everyone's doing at least one or two things that are great, too. So I don't think you see that. We're in a craft beer boom, and uh, it, it's it's about quality, and craft beer in general is about taste options for me. Hey, there's much different types of beer. We tried other styles of beer, right? I think really that's the coolest thing about uh, Chicago breweries is that, and with so many different things, that uh, there is a focus on qualities well in fact if you look at the great american beer fest this year uh the largest beer competition in the world now chicago area cleaned up last year i think there was over 10 gold medals from wow. chicago area breweries 10 gold medals though yeah if not more chicago as as a brewing city cleaned up this past year so that's fantastic that's such a cool just i mean i live here and i had no idea that well perhaps you should get out more into society <laughs> Then might called out on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew there was a lot, but I didn't know yeah. that we were leading the, the charge. Yeah, it seems to like a, like a common thread is that like you've told us about kind of your journey into brewing, and it seems like every step along the way, people have been like supportive and helpful. So it seems like a very like collaborative environment as opposed to one that's competitive or isolated or you know cutthroat. For sure, for sure, and we might see changes. I mean, you never know. But um, we're still not, even though we have a lot of breweries in Chicago, we're still not at a saturation point because of our population. There are some cities where uh, things are just getting more difficult. And it really benefits the consumer, though. If you go to Portland, you can stumble over a brewery every two feet. But, you know, the population of Portland is much smaller than the population of Chicago. So Portland definitely has the most breweries per capita. Um, what that what that ends up doing is that, you know, you have to have not only phenomenal beer as a brewery, you have to also differentiate yourself in other ways too. Otherwise, right, you, know, you need to have like the flashy objects of some like super bizarre beer that nobody's heard of before that has. Like, yeah, exactly. Weird beers, you know. And, and I don't know that's not weird anymore, but <laughs> jalapeno scorpion. Right, exactly. <laughs> 
Add some uh, tuna and some octopus, you know, <laughs> the weird beers for sure. Yeah. So someone's listening and they're, they're saying brewing beer is my unfound passion that I was born to do. How does that person start getting involved? I know you said earlier they should start reading, but what's sure. the next steps that they should take? Yeah. So after you do a lot of reading, after you really do a lot of brewing yourself, I mean, you should, you should homebrew. I'm not saying that anyone shouldn't. I'm just saying if you expect to really jump into a kit and that's and make a quality product that's probably not going to happen but people generally have pretty one way or another reactions to home brewing it's either like well seems like a lot of work <laughs> right maybe i'll just go buy a six pack of beer right or the other way which is like ah oh, this is a lot of work but it's fun like this is great and they make things and so you know i would say just make sure that you're into it make sure that you like the craft make sure that you're passionate about it and as far as getting into breweries you know get out there talk to people you, there are internship programs cleaning kegs or cleaning floors or uh they are there so i'm not saying it's easy but yeah yeah i mean just be yourself just get out there and hang out with uh the places that you like and try to talk to people so for people who maybe don't know if they want to do brewing but they like craft beer and they like chicago are there festivals they can go to are there like pub crawls what's the how can people taste as many as possible festivals in chicago <laughs> no we never have those <laughs> there's a ton of fests i mean once it gets warmer especially but yeah all year round there's this fest or that fest you know anything that uh green star specifically is involved in as much as we can be we're, we're ta we've taken a different kind of uh philosophy for fests in that our first couple of years we did everything and so we were everywhere all the time but since we're a small brewery since uh you know you basically can only find our beer at uncommon ground we're doing fests that are super local in the neighborhood or that have sustainability themes, so a cool. uh, few and far between for the most part. Um, but, you know, we're around. For example, the next one we're doing will be a Polar Bear Fest at Rock Bottom Brewery in Chicago. That's a fun thing they do every year. But you can always come by to the brewery and uh, to our common ground and taste different beers that we have out. And also, if you follow us on social media, we're always posting about fun events. And we have a growler club, too. If you uh, join our growler club, uh, we hand out... Anytime you buy a growler, we make it easy. You don't have to pay money. If you buy a growler and want to give us your email, then you can get invited to free brewery parties. Nice. Good times. <laughs> what happens at a free brewery party? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, like, um, <laughs> free brewery and party are all three words I really <laughs> like. Very so. good words. <laughs> Two hours of beer and food. Sign me up. Awesome. Yeah. So basically, if, we, if we're putting out a new beer that we're super excited about, then we have a party. So. A question. So my roommate is has been vegetarian since she was 12 years old. And I don't think that she knows that most beers aren't vegetarian. For somebody who might be listening to this and maybe freaking out that they're not, is Green Star the only option? Or what can somebody do to learn more about what's in their beers? No, it, we're not We're not the only uh, vegetarian or vegan beer option, but contact the brewery. Send them an email, give them a call. Maybe not the first person who answers the phone will know what you're talking about, but somebody somebody over there will. And then final kind of catch-all question. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wish people knew about the community and about microbreweries in Chicago in general? Hmm. Well, we covered a lot. Let's see. Organic beer, beer. Prohibition. Community. 
prohibition. Is there anything I wish people didn't know? Like, and people know because I'll talk more about history. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. We covered a lot, guys. Yeah, come by and uh, come by and drink a beer. Uh, if you're uh, if you're in the neighborhood, feel free to ask for Martin. If, yeah. I'm around, I'm not if somebody comes by and says, "Hey, I heard your interview with Society. Can I speak to Martin?" Yeah. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna run. <laughs> Honestly, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Of course, we're that's one. It's one of the great parts about being a small brewery. Is yeah, you know, come on in. Say you heard us uh, wherever and, or saw us at fest. You know, I'm not always around, but if I am, I'm happy to talk to you, buy a beer, give you samples. So that sounds fantastic. Well, Martin Code, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for the three growlers of amazing beer. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Martin, for coming on and talking with us. Really, really great conversation about so many different parts about beer and breweries and Chicago. And one of my favorite parts about Chicago, especially when I turned 21, was that it's super easy to go from bar to bar to bar. And what I really like now over the past few years is that we've seen so many micro and craft brews pop up that have taken a lot of care into the products that they're creating. And it's a very different vibe than I think you can get in a lot of other cities. I'm sure there's lots of other obviously bar scenes in every city, right? But I think the most unique part about Chicago is that you can find these really specialty ones pretty easily and they can be either a stop on your night or you can spend your whole evening there. And that's one of the things that I find super accessible about the city. And this was a great kind of illustration of that community in a, in a little kind of condensed way. I feel like I never really thought about beer that much before. I just drank a lot of it. <laughs> I never really was like, oh, what am I putting in my body? Or how does this get made? Or whatever. Um, and then talking to Martin, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so much like science and also art goes into this thing that I just m will drink without thinking about. So definitely got a new appreciation for it and a new appreciation for whoever decided to put fish bladders in beer. You, you appreciate that person? I, I appreciate their moxie. Their like, innovation. Yeah. Their innovation. <laughs> their fearlessness to dive right in. I know. For sure. Yeah, I, you know, I think anybody will, who lives here knows that Chicago is a pretty big drinking city. I mean, we have very long, dark winters and and during the day, if, if you're leaving your apartment, it's, it's probably to meet some friends and grab a brewski. If you've um, ever been here during St. Patrick's Day weekend. I mean, really any holiday. Just <laughs> yeah, if you've been here on a Saturday. Um, so I, I'm really glad that we got an interview um, locked down that gave us more insight to the actual kind of community that's really behind it. I think my favorite kind of insight from today's interview is the fact that it is very much a collaborative environment still. Like there's no, to its point, there's no like business competition of opening more breweries. And I had absolutely no idea that Chicago has more microbreweries than any other city in the country. It was nice to hear too that, I mean, he didn't like go to school and you know major in brewing he was interested he got a book he learned about it and then now look where he is i thought that was very it's a it's a cool way to see somebody like uncover their passion and to you know take what they like and then kind of build something around that so lee who are we talking to next week? Next week, we're talking to the Chicago Gay Men's Chorus, which is a chorus that's based in Boys Town who's, that's been around for 30 plus years. I'm excited to hear what they have to say. 
If you like what you hear, you can rate review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever good podcasts are found. Find us on social media at Society on the Instagram, Society Pod on Twitter. You can email us at societypodcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, or smart remarks. Feel free to reach out, uh, tell a friend if you like what you hear, uh, and let us know if there are any communities we should talk to. We'll be back next Tuesday. As always, I've been Sam. I'm Patrick. And I still hate this outro.